Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome in to Bet the Edge. It's Thursday, April 14th. Thank you to all those watching on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Drew and I will break down where we think there's value in the NFL draft markets today. Some Panthers talk, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, quarterbacks in the first round, and also Matt Benier stopping by. He's not only talking NHL, he's giving us MLB winners tonight as well. So I'm pretty excited about it. All that, our edge of the day, all that coming up. Powered by points, but excuse me. I got Drew Dinsink. I'm Vaughn Delzell. Drew, how are we doing today? How'd your day finish up yesterday? Were you in the, <laughs> the winning end of things, losing end of things? No, I uh, I did not uh, do well on Winners Only Wednesday. I, I did not live by the code. Uh, I came away with some losing picks. Uh, I thought those were going to be competitive, fun games in the play-ins. They were blowouts. They were not competitive. Yeah. Um, congrats to the late sweat team, though. Uh, that was a uh, that was boosted uh, up to fifteen to one. That uh, our late sweat crew parlay and that landed. And honestly, it didn't wasn't even that close. Kenny's uh, Kenny's Huertear overs. <laughs> you know, did you see that he had over twelve and yeah. a half points and Huertear, Kavon uh, yeah. Huertear got. Uh, 13 in the first half. I don't know that he scored a point in the second half, but uh, that no. was pretty hysterical. Yeah, I, I was pretty amazed. I'm always like nervous when Kenny gives us his uh, late sweat plays because he's usually the guy that brings us down. And he sent that one. I was like, he has been pretty hot lately. So, all right, we might have a winner here or something. But yeah, 15 to 1, that was pretty sweet. Battle of the bets, too. I went against Johnny. This guy keeps winning, apparently. Uh, five to one. I was able, I wasn't able to get Garrett Cole. That was his pick. Cause he was the winner. Uh, that was the difference. So, uh, he went five, he went three and oh, he's back again. We had some great games tomorrow's slate, or I should say we had one good game yesterday. The, the Hawks game was a trash, a trashing. Do you think the Cavs Hawks game or the Clippers Pelicans game? It's two point spread for the Hawks, four point for the Clippers. Uh, any early leans or picks for you at all? I guess my major takeaway of all the four playing games we've seen so far, home court advantage was bet aggressively. The home teams basically got bet except for the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was mostly an experience thing as far as I could tell you. Uh, The reason that the Clippers were, uh, you know, were the hot side there. Um, And realistically, the fact that you're, you know, that three of the four home teams covered um, and the one that didn't was the Nets. And, you know, if you watch that game, it didn't feel as competitive as the final score indicated. So I, I think agree. people in general are going to continue to, um, you know, to to re- react to what they saw. And that's what you're seeing with this market movement so far. New Orleans and the um, 
uh, Clippers. Some shops opened up this in the one, one and a half range yesterday. It got bet up to three. We wake up this morning. It's out to four. So basically, people looked at what the Clippers did, and they think this is a team that is on a different class than the New Orleans Pelicans, that this is going to be one-way traffic on top of the home court advantage for L.A., uh, and that is uh, that is now out of betting range. I don't think you can realistically walk to the window and put a bet down on the Clippers at minus four and think you're making a minus EV, a plus EV bet. It doesn't mean it's not going to cash, but uh, you know, realistically, there's now a tax to back the Clippers. And then Atlanta, similarly, people saw what Atlanta did last night. They reacted yeah. to that, and they're like, this team is a world beater. Uh, that is now out to two and a half after opening at one and a half. I thought fair, and that one was three. So I think there's still a sliver of plus EV to be had on the Hawks, but I don't think I'm going to be betting either of these games. Yeah, I, I would prefer a Trey Young and Hawks same game parlay to some aspect before I bet on the spread in this game. But I think this is going to be a pretty good one. I, I will say I'm the undertaker of baseball. I take all under K props and the unders <laughs> were 4-0 in the NBA first round. Um, so the playing round, I should say. Uh, so that was something worth noting. I don't know if they're going to be unders in this situation because it's at 223 and a half for Hawks and Cavs yeah. and uh, around 216 for Pelicans Clippers. So. Uh, I think they're teasing you to bet the yeah. under in this spot. Quick comment on the totals. Uh, you saw aggressive betting to the under after the open on all four playing games. I think the steam was correct in basically all four cases. The way that those games played were like late, like late playoff series game, five, six, seven type of uh, in, in energy and intensity as opposed to what we saw in the regular season from these teams. Um, that being said, these totals have been adjusted down pretty aggressively. So what do I mean by that? Well, you can go back in time to the beginning of um, April, right? April 3rd, we have a decent example of um, Pelicans versus Clippers. This game was played in L.A. Uh, this was Pelicans coming off of uh, kind of a win that clinched uh, their postseason or at least their play in hopes over the Lakers on a Friday. They turn around, and they play the Clippers on a Saturday. That total, Vaughn, you want to guess what it is compared to the 216 and a half we see hanging now? It was like 232. No, it wasn't that big, but it, it closed <laughs> two, 224. So, what okay. we're looking at, you're looking at a uh, at basically an, a seven and a half, eight point adjustment off of what we just mm. saw between these two teams in terms of close. So kind of keep that in mind. The market determined a regular season matchup between these two teams was around 224, mm. and now a playoff game between these two teams with you know with your, your season on the line around 216. Now, eight-point adjustment, that's usually what we see in a playoff series from game one to game seven if it's a relatively close series. Uh, and so I think realistically – that's fair. <laughs> I don't think that yeah. there's much more room to bet the under here. Uh, you're much better off looking for the kind of evaluating the game state if you're going to bet this total uh, and trying to find the right opportunity to either pick on the live over or live under, depending on if this is either a game that they're, um, you know, that they are exchanging baskets in a narrow margin in the second half. You want that, the live total cannot get low enough. If it's a game where one team has a meaningful edge, you could see a ton of fouls at the end. It could, uh, you know, juice the total here, and you could uh, look for a live over. Yeah, that's kind of why I lean the over slightly in here because of the fouling at the end. So if you watch that Hornets and uh, Hawks game, I mean, the Hornets kept their starters in until the last thirty seconds, and they were playing. They were trying to score <laughs> down by thirty. So that might happen here in this game too. But I love it. That's a great breakdown. I love that total look too. Uh, so before we bring in Brad, Matt Bernier, we do have one note worth making. Tomorrow, Friday, 
at 12 p.m. Eastern. We have a special NBA playoffs preview. Round Ball Stew Crew is joining us. Drew, myself, and Corey Parson will all be on the show. We'll be breaking down all the NBA playoffs, the bets, our favorite looks, and what we expect to happen, plus points bets. Head trader Jay Croucher will join the show as usual, and he'll tell us what, uh, what they're taking and all the action. So make sure you tune in. It'll be on our YouTube channel. Round Ball Stew Crew will have an audio version. And like I said, that's 12 p.m. Eastern if you want to catch us live. Before all that happens, let's bring in some hockey and baseball winners from Matt Veneer. Matt, how are we doing, buddy? Looking good, man. What's happening, boys? Good to talk to you again. Uh, we're doing well, man. Can't complain. I'm pretty excited because well, before we get to the one bet I really want to talk about and hear your breakdown about because it's my hometown team, we got to talk about another game before that. Now, I know you like this game, and I'm actually – I might have a player prop. I'm looking at Logan Gilbert taking on the White Sox today. Uh, now, if everyone that bets the White Sox, you know that they're really good against left-handed pitchers, not as good as against right-handed pitchers. Logan Gilbert's a righty. Uh, so breaking down this game, Mariners, White Sox, what do you like? Total, spread, player props, what is it? Yeah, I, I went money line with the Mariners, and it boils down to Gilbert. You know, he's a promising young arm. I thought all things considered last year as a rookie, I thought he performed pretty well. He had a rough patch at the end of August. He had a couple games where he gave up five earned. I think he had one where he gave up nine earned really inflated some of his numbers. Otherwise, I thought he was pretty solid, all things considered. And he started the season off well, his first start of the year. He went five, he gave up three hits, one earned, struck out seven. Um, I, I think despite the fact that the Mariners have gotten off to a little bit of a sluggish start and the White Sox are red hot coming out of the gates at four and one, uh, I think this is a good opportunity to take advantage of a good young arm. And to your point, Vaughn, I mean, I, I think this is just a chance where you've got a live right-handed thrower who – Maybe you can take advantage of a White Sox team. Uh, the price, it opened at minus 110. Now the Mariners are at minus 115 on the money line. I still think that's fair. More or less a coin flip between these two teams. If Seattle can get some runs across, I think we're going to be in decent shape because I think Gilbert's going to do his job. I like that. That's a fun breakdown and a fun game. That I definitely would like to see the Mariners you know, pick it up a little bit here, uh, make the NL West a little bit more interesting. Uh, Nationals and the Pirates take uh, take the field in a game between two teams that were not expected to do anything this season, but the Nationals have been pretty plucky. Uh, they've been a decent underdog, uh, kind of winning and you know without expect you know without the market expecting much from them uh, in a couple of games so far. They come in as dogs again against the Pirates. Uh, is this the only game of the season we'll see the Pirates to be favorites? Uh, we'll check in later this season. Um, but the total currently sitting at nine. What's your read on Nationals at Pirates? Well, so I, I heard Vaughn at the top of the show about sort of totals and unders. That's the way that you go about things with baseball. And I tend to agree. This happens to be one of the instances where I'm going the other way. And I'm going over nine. The number opened at minus 115. Now it's actually at minus 110. So it's gone the other way for me. But it has to do with the pitching matchup. I mean, Yoan Adon, who looks like he's got a live arm, his problem in his two major league appearances, one dating back to last September and then his seasonal debut this year, is just control. I mean, he's walked seven guys in nine and two-thirds innings, and this isn't a new thing for him. This was a problem when he was coming up through the system for the Nats as well. So uh, that part is a major concern. Obviously, more base runners, more opportunity to get some runs across the plate. As far as JT Brubaker is concerned, I mean, it, he kind of is what he is at this point, right? He gives up way too many base runners. He gives up a million home runs. Last year, he started 24 games. He gave up 28 home runs. That was, I believe, 10th or 11th most in all of Major League Baseball. 
And when you consider he only started 24 times, some of the folks ahead of him at 30, 31 starts, I think this has all the recipe, you know, the makings for a game where you're going to see some crooked numbers up on the board. I have one model where the reference point is starting off at eight to six. Um, Maybe that's a little overzealous and it's just one piece of the model, but suggesting that 14 runs are going to be scored. I just, I don't know. I have a hard time getting stuck into any teams where the bullpens aren't great for either side. The starting pitchers have their issues as far as allowing base runners and long balls. I don't know. I feel like over nine is the play in this spot. Again, I agree with Vaughn for the most part about the unders, but I think you occasionally have opportunities to take advantage of some suspect pitching matchups. I think that's what we got here. Yeah, no, I'm on JT Brubaker under four and a half strikeouts today. That line no longer exists. Um, <laughs> I myself, another person tweeted out, so that's moved. So, I, I mean, he's been you know, a walking hit machine, uh, you know, Matt, I eat, I eat dinner late. I eat dinner like seven, seven thirty. So JT Brubaker is going to be my appetizer today. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I could see runs being scored in this game, even though both offenses don't look that good. Um, and before we move on to hockey, I'm going to give out a quick little bet because this line's going to be gone as well. And I'm collabing with one of the goats of player crop community. We're taking Casey Mize under three and a half. Cause not only we're taking, talking about the pirates, Today, we're talking about the Royals as well. I'm wearing a Bo Jackson jersey. This is a legendary jersey. But uh, Royals, supreme strikeout numbers against right-handers this year. Shane Bieber had four. Casey Mize is not getting four. All right, let's talk about some hockey now because I need some puck winners. I need some plus money winners because these K-props are juiced. And when I mean juiced, they are juiced. So let's talk about the Sabres and the Blues. Um, you know, Sabres are 216 on the money line. So obviously this is a puck line look or nothing here on them. Are we going that way or with, or with the other opposite side? Not only do I like St. Louis tonight to cover the puck line. I think if you're looking for a bit of a, I don't want to say under the radar, but, but a team that may not be getting all the pub as we get closer and closer to the postseason, I think the blues could make a run in the West and yeah, you're going to have to get through Whoa. Colorado's of the world. But I believe I'm looking at it. I mean, they're listed at 28 and 30 to one to win the Stanley Cup. They've got that perfect blend that I think you want to look for with the team. You've got seasoned veterans like Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron who have been there, done that. They've gone through this run before. But they've also got brilliant young talent with Jordan Cairo. They've got Robert Thomas. Uh, Vili Husso has really sort of established himself as their number one goaltender over Jordan Bennington. And this is a Blues team that they're good at home. They can go on the road. And really, you know, put the boots to some teams. They handled Boston last week rather comfortably in Boston. And the Bruins are kind of a, you know, they're going to be a tough out in the first round in the Eastern Conference. So I just think Buffalo or excuse me, St. Louis has a lot to offer. If you're looking for maybe teams that are a little outside the box, I've got them rated as a top five team. And they're offering considerably more value than that as far as long-term futures are concerned. So I think they covered the line tonight at minus one and a half. It's plus 130. I know Buffalo's coming in on the heels of a big win over the Maple Leafs. I don't want to call that fool's gold, but we know Toronto has their... Toronto's had their issues all year. They actually play up to their competition and down to their competition. So whenever they take on less than teams, they, they tend to just kind of take their foot off the gas. And also, for whatever reason, it's just been a bad matchup between the Sabres and the Leafs. The Sabres have really handled them all season. So don't read too much into that 5-2 win that Buffalo earned the other day. I think St. Louis is a much better team. I think they covered the 1.5 at plus 130. I like it. So a little sell high, a little local sell high spot on the uh, on the um, Buffalo, who uh, almost certainly eliminated from the playoffs. They're yeah. going home pretty <laughs> soon here. Um, a team that is not eliminated from the playoffs. In fact, a team that has about a 50-50 chance by my numbers right now of making it into the postseason is the Vegas Knights. 
and they are taking on a team that has locked up the two seed in the Calgary Flames. Um, is this an opportunity for the Knights to right the ship and play their way in, or are they playing their way home? You know, it sounds silly because when you look at the roster, I mean, Vegas might be the most talented team, if not the most, probably one of the top three or four talented teams top to bottom in the entire league. And they've been hurt all season. That's been one of their biggest issues. They've had when one guy comes back, another one goes down. Patch already misses a lot of time. Mark Stone's gone. We know the whole situation with Jack Eichel. When they traded for him, he was still out for a little while. Um, Robin Leonard's been sidelined. They've had a number of issues throughout the year. But even when they are inching closer to their full complement of players, I just don't see it. For whatever reason, they're they take care of business against the, the bad teams, which you're supposed to do, especially if you're a good team. But they've just really struggled against anybody with quality this year. And, you know, I, I, I would like to think we're at, what, uh, 73, 74, 75 games played. We've only got about a week and change left in the regular season. You kind of are what you are at this point, aren't you? And, I, I mean, they're on the outside looking in at this point and taking on a team like Calgary who, you know, maybe they were a little bit of a surprise early on, but they've – basically asserted themselves as one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau is buzzing around lately. He's got nine points in his last five games. And Jacob Markstrom, you know, it's a shame for him that you've got a season like this where you've got goaltenders like Igor Shesterkin and Freddie Anderson who have played as well as they have because Markstrom has been spectacular for the Flames. He leads the league with nine shutout victories. Uh, That's three more than anybody else in the league. So, the Flames are a proper team that, again, they're going to be a pain in the rear end for anybody in the in the postseason. And Vegas, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they're just one of those teams. We see it in other sports where, on paper, you're supposed to be spectacular and it just doesn't register. Maybe this was just one of those seasons that you say, look, it wasn't going to work and we regroup for next year and, and try to make things happen. Because, again, they, they do have all the talent in the world. It's just I, I'm, I'm selling. I don't think it's going to happen for them this year. I like it. Uh, great breakdown. Uh, if you you probably follow the you know, you follow the, the league in general a lot closer than me. Uh, who's your heart right now for NHL? Well, I mean, I, it, it's difficult to get past Matthews at this point. You know. Oh. Uh, yeah, I know it's, it's juicy. <laughs> oh. it's, it's juicy, but I mean, I, in the big picture, and I can try to pull it up on the fly as far as odds are concerned. I mean, I just he, he's got he's going to be close to sixty goals. You know, for a minute, I earlier this year I, I threw out the idea of if you liked. Igor Shesterkin for the Vesna Trophy. Why not look at him as a heart prospect? And shortly thereafter, he had his one little hiccup stretch where he just couldn't get out of his own way. He had a couple of games where he gave up four and five goals. And that basically did away with the MVP talk. You know, McDavid is certainly an option. But I think realistically, unless Matthews does nothing for the final week and a half of the season. Um, and I, I want to say he was in like sort of the minus 300 range. Yeah, I'm looking at minus 350 for Matthews, plus 375 for McDavid. I was hoping that there was some way we could get a, uh, you know, the market to flip here in the last week, but it sounds like no, 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 no bueno. He's just, he's really playing at another level. Um, uh, you know, some folks have thrown it out there in social media, and I guess there's probably some truth to it. I mean, you could already make a case that he's one of the best Maple Leafs of all time. Um, and he's still young and he's still improving. I think that's the scariest thing. You know, we all focus on McDavid and, and Dreisaitl and, and some of these other, you know, high-flying forwards. I mean, Austin Matthews is legitimately right there with them, if not exceeding them. And again, this year, he's probably going to go home with the hardware. Mm. Do you think he goes home with any uh, playoff success <laughs> or another short tr- another short uh, spring for him? I'm I'm terrified of their ability to prevent goals. Um, 
you know, this, this whole story with Callgren has been really interesting. Um, but at the same time, he kind of is what he is. I mean, his safe percentage, I think, is around 880. I mean, that, that's not going to get the job done. I'll tell you what, the Eastern Conference, for as talented as Toronto is and as talented as Florida is, my biggest concerns with them is their inability to prevent goals. I, I don't I don't have any faith or I don't want to be backing a team at a short price who has to get into a track meet every night. I, winning six to five or, you know, in some cases, seven to six, if we're talking Toronto and Florida, I don't think that's a recipe for success long-term. So sure, you, you can score a ton of goals, but you're also giving up a million. Tampa has still had their issues where they don't seem like they've really hit their stride for whatever reason. I know we've talked about it a million times. It feels like it's just, it's hard to maintain that excellence for three years in a row. Carolina to me, although they've scuffled a little bit over the past week or two, um, I think they're the most well-rounded team in, in the Eastern Conference. So I, I think they're the one that I'm probably most interested in as far as the East goes. And, and I tip my hand, you know, I respect the teams out West. Colorado and Calgary make all the sense in the world. But if you're looking for a bit of a price, why not the Blues? I like it. Terrific breakdowns, Matt. Not even not just destroying the ice covers, but also <laughs> the baseball. Now, don't forget about the baseball picks because I love those two picks. So if you guys enjoyed that, give Matt a follow on Twitter, at Bonaire underscore Matt. Make sure to check out all his handicasts for multiple sports, NBCSportsEdge.com, and he'll be hosting Bet the Edge this coming Monday with Drew. Matt, thank you. We appreciate you, my man. Boys, good luck. Talk soon. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds, fast and easy live betting. Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sports book partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts all in a fast and reliable sports book. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply. Must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-888-5 3500 in Virginia, 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms dash and dash conditions. Now, Drew, it's NFL draft market, my friend. I've started yes. my research lately. Um, a lot of the markets have been closing, moving frequently, but we don't know what to make of certain things because anything can change over the next two weeks. So, Aiden Hutchinson clearly has been the favorite to be the number one overall pick at minus 275. Yep. Is there time for anyone else? Like now is probably the time to take a shot on someone else. But at the same time, I feel like he's he's pretty much a lock. Uh, lock is strong. I think minus 275 is exactly the correct price personally. Um, right. The way I understand it, the staff over there, the owner over there, Leans Hutchinson. Uh, mm -hmm. I think uh, Peterson, the uh, head coach, would like to take a tackle. 
Um, wow. And I think Balky uh, is definitely enamored with the physical gifts of uh, Walker. So uh, those three players, you know, those three positions all still very live. Um, ultimately, because the owner, I believe, tilts Hutchinson, uh, that's the way that this will go. But minus 275 looks about right. And with two weeks left until the draft, uh, I think we have to uh, wait for this uh, to get a little bit closer before you go ham on Hutchinson number one overall. But yeah, I, I mean... 80 90 percent chance he gets picked number one yeah that sounds about right to me yeah and i mean i thought there was a chance to go for the tackle to try and protect trevor lawrence for the future and i know evan neal for a second was talked about climbing the charts because of his his physique and that picture of him and everything but you know now i kind of feel like it's he's out of the picture for this one but you can't go wrong either way how many how many number one picks actually go wrong i mean there's not a jamarcus russell in this class right so <laughs> no, but this class does feel very much like the class where the Chiefs picked Eric Fisher first overall. Like yeah. there was just it's, no top tier talent from a you know that's immediately going to move the needle from a quarterback or a skill position player, and so it's going to be a lot of you know guys filling up the trenches. And uh, most of the talent, the the most talented players in this draft are largely offensive line, defensive line, uh, and I think that's you're going to make up the majority of your top ten. Yeah, and I'm mean, going across the board to the most important position. I feel like quarterback position might be one of the weakest classes we've had in recent years. Like if, mm -hmm. again, I'm a Pittsburgh guy, but if Kenny Pickett's going to be the first quarterback taken off the board, potentially, I mean, I'm not, I'm not thrilled about this quarterback <laughs> class. Like I'm worried about whoever's taking him. Uh, and Malik Willis, like he's, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't like comparing players because everybody's, you know, their own player in their own right, but. The most comparable guy to him is Lamar Jackson, obviously. Like, he'd be LJ Jr. or LJ 2.0. And, you know, pairing him with the Panthers, with Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson going deep, definitely appealing to me. Like, I feel like at 170, it's still a good price on Malik Willis, even though it's juicy. But I just don't see Kenny Pickett being at nearly as good as Malik Willis can be five or ten years down the road. Yeah, if uh, Pickett goes first quarterback overall, uh, if Pickett goes in the top ten, it's going to be this guy. That, yeah, that's that, what I'm that guy. Um, <laughs> and and uh, let's uh, let's kind of talk through a couple of aspects here. And I, I haven't really ever gotten to you know kind of give my perspective on this. And I'm curious if you think any of this holds water. The Panthers have one pick in the top for the first two days. Yeah. They don't have any picks on day two at all. No second rounders, no third rounders. They have completely stripped the cover bare. They have a new GM. That GM is looking at the current state of the team, looking at the current uh, uh, you know, you know, quarterback situation. And I think he is a realist and knows they are not going to win this year. Uh, yeah. And if they are not going to win this year, then they are going to be in a prime position next year to be at the top of a draft that is QB rich. Bryce Young coming out next year. You get C.J. Stroud coming out next year. There are other players who will emerge from college football this year who will be in the mix. There'll be three or four guys that are worthy of first-round quarterback, uh, you know, draft status next season. Then I think, uh, you know, the the Carolina Panthers GM recognizes he's got the ear of the owner. He's talked him into uh, look. Let's not reach for a guy like Pickett. You know, let's use our let's use that six pick to the best of you know uh, uh, the best possible way to improve our team so that we can be in position next year to take the guy and to really change the direction of this franchise what's the best way to do that then it is to trade the six pick it is to okay. move down in the draft to get more day two picks they need day two picks desperately and um and so as i sit here now i think the panthers are going to be pretty aggressively trying to shop that number six overall and it's a unique pick because it's between the giants fifth and seventh 
Okay. We know the Giants covet uh, offensive line. Yep. Top tier <laughs> offensive line talent. Uh, the likelihood that uh, a guy like Evan Neal is there in the five and a guy like, and we know that they covet cornerback. They need a cornerback, honestly, who can start day one because they need to move on from Bradbury because of the, uh, the contract situation there. So they literally tackle and cornerback are the two choices for the giants at five and seven, whichever of those they choose, there will be either an elite tackle in Neil or an elite cornerback in sauce Gardner, who will be available at the six Panthers will be accepting calls from everyone who is trying to get one of those elite players they move back into the middle of ta- of the you know round one. They accumulate some draft picks and in, in, uh, later on in the uh, you know in the draft rounds two rounds three. And uh, I think Kenny Pickett has the potential to slide at that point. Um, we know that there's a hard stop for Willis when he gets to Pittsburgh, and uh, I think Pickett could go before Willis to Pittsburgh. But uh, realistically, I think uh, Willis minus one seventy is a fair price, uh, and he just because we know he has the uh, the most solid floor. Yeah, I mean, the deep ball, the mobility, like, we can't forget this dude was an Auburn commit. Like, if he would have stuck around at Auburn, he would have been better than Bo Nix. Uh, I mean, that's not that – Auburn would have been better off for sure. But I Absolutely. love that breakdown. It makes total sense for the Panthers to trade back. It makes total sense for them to pass on a quarterback right now because they do have plenty of other holes. I love them going to try and get a, a, second, a secondary guy right now, whether it's a safety or a corner, Kyle Hamilton for Notre Dame will be up around that slot, or they could trade back and get a guy like him still, too. Uh, so I, I am pretty excited to see about this draft and where these guys end up. And There's always the potential. I don't think the Panthers are going to be in the market for a wide receiver. Uh, they've been pretty <laughs> sold on who they got out there. Sure. Uh, but moving on to that market, I mean, there's been a couple guys climbing. I personally think Drake London will be the first receiver drafted. I like his under in his draft position right now from all the mocks I've been seeing and the the experts that have been talking about him, but I know Garrett Wilson's out there as well. And then Jameson Williams of Alabama, he's a stud. Uh, he's there too at three and a half to one. So, I mean, is there a guy that's clear cut out of these three or you think it's still just up in the air? So it's interesting that this, this market is a f- super fun to talk about and we can piggyback right off the last conversation, which is who are the teams that are drafting, who are, who are targeting wide receivers. They're largely at the end of the top 10, and then, and then in the teens, right? Who of those teams is going to compete next year versus who is going to pack it in and tank, right? A team like yeah. the Atlanta Falcons desperately needs oh. a wide receiver. Yes. Desperately. Are they competing next year? No freaking way. No. <laughs> and so a guy like, you know, you know, if, if we get to eight and a wide receiver hasn't been taken, will I be surprised if they take a flyer on Jameson Williams, who is the most talented wide receiver in this class by a lot, but is going to make no impact realistically for you in 2022. That seems like a perfect fit to me. Now, I don't know that ultimately that's the direction that they are going to go. I haven't heard any rumors that they love Williams, but uh, Jamison Williams at plus 350 makes sense to me because that sort of fit is, is, uh, is pretty strong. So basically if there's any team that's sort of not playing to win in 2022, uh, that wants a wide receiver, Jameson Williams is the obvious, uh, you know, the obvious first choice. Now, if you go the other direction, you say, okay, well, there's a team in the top 10 that needs a wide receiver. They feel like they're on the cusp of competing or there's a little bit of pressure to do something now. A team like the Jets, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. If they get to 10, I expect that 10th pick is going to be a wide receiver, almost certainly. Yeah. And if we get to that pick and they have their choice of everyone on the board, 
they're going to pick a guy like London or a guy like Wilson over Williams because they're expecting to get that guy on the field this year and make an impact. So Drake London, you know, if you get to 10 and no wide receiver has been taken, that seems about about right to me. But still, uh, you know, this is a, a market that is absolutely wide open between those top three guys, in my opinion. And I would lean away from Garrett Wilson just because we haven't seen this, the the strong connection between him and any of these teams. Yeah, I was gonna say he's my least favorite. If I'm if I'm you know marking these guys down one two three, he's a three every single situation in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you brought the Jets because that was my complete thought process too. Instead of betting these receivers in general, I was thinking to bet the Jets to draft a wide receiver. Um, I'm pretty sure you'll probably get that around plus 100 money whenever that those come out. But I mean, they'll have a lot of the pick at four. I mean, they have a lot of holes to fill, and they're still you know I don't want to call them a competitive team because I'm not gonna give the Jets that benefit of the doubt. But, uh, you know, with Zach Wilson, they're, they're, they're a couple of years away from being somewhat competitive. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, fourth pick, they can do whoever they really want. And then receiver, top receiver in the draft, their pick. I think yeah. that makes total sense. Year two for Zach Wilson, they desperately need to see him produce they need to see him take a meaningful step forward uh and i think the idea that they get him a young wide receiver to help that process as much as possible is pretty likely yeah so drew we've been 30 minutes in before we get to the edge of the day uh we do have some big news actually because usfl the other football league is back um if you haven't checked it out it's this it's uh, nbc and peacock will kick it off it's a 10-week league on saturday night when the new jersey generals face off the birmingham stallions at 7 30 eastern uh, actually, our own Sarah Parman, who usually is hosting this show, will be halftime and post game on there. So make sure you tune in, check her out. Also, you can play some bets on it and get some action because points bets going to have sides and totals. And Drew, I know you can cap anything on this planet. Uh, any insight you might have for opening week of the USFL season? Uh, I have not really looked closely at all, but uh, the hot sides have been the unders, uh, even though they made a couple of rule changes that, you know, that that should encourage scoring. Um, these teams have had two weeks to practice together, two weeks to help prepare an offense. And if you've ever watched preseason football, you know, it takes longer than two weeks. And those are established teams with real professional football players. And these are uh, this is a little bit exhibition-y as far as I can tell you. So um, not expecting the offenses to look especially crisp in week one. So I think there's still probably a little bit of room to bet the under. Yeah, makes total sense to me. I can't argue with that one. If you're looking for anybody else's opinion, not saying Drew's is the wrong one at all, but we got Kyle Dorchak, who is the guy that's going to be betting USFL for us. So that's going to be on edge.com. So definitely check out his work. We'll have some stuff right away. Edge of the day. I know it's got to be NBA for you, Drew. Uh, so where are we headed for this weekend in the NBA action? Okay, so Saturday, only only play I've locked in so far for Saturday. I have a bunch more in the queue, and we'll talk about them tomorrow when we do our entire NBA playoff breakdown. Very, very excited for that. Haven't, haven't really gotten to talk about every series yet, so that is going to be super, super exciting. Um, the uh, but but the only side I've locked in so far is 76ers at minus four taking on the Raptors on Saturday. 76ers have some decent home court advantage in general, and uh, this is a team that is 
not I'm not expecting to make a run necessarily at all. And people want to fade because they see a plucky underdog like the Raptors and they're like, this is going to be a tough series. This is going to be a tough, uh, you know, a tough out. And, you know, because of all of that, the market is a little bit shaded in the direction of Toronto. Um, I think the early part of the series advantage is clearly with the 76ers. The Raptors do not have a matchup at all whatsoever for Joel Embiid. So as long as he is 100% and going 42 minutes a game, the Philadelphia 76ers should get the wins. Um, this is a funny series where, you know, realistically I can see Philadelphia winning 4-0, 4-1, I could see them losing 4-2, 4-3. And there's kind of no in-between. So um, Philly gets it done early in this series, I think. Uh, and honestly, a fair price for me in this is six. Uh, I think you're going to see home court advantage be pretty meaningful early in these series, particularly when you're going, you know, you're talking about matchups between, uh, you know, an experienced uh, team of vets like Philly going up against some youngsters like, you know, the, the Toronto will be trotting out there. So Philly minus four favorite look for Saturday. Yeah. I like that look a lot. I, I mean, it's, it's hard for me, no matter what James Harden does that Joel Embiid is going to accept a game one loss. Like that can't happen. Uh, yeah. John wants to know if we should bet the Raptors to win the series after the Sixers win game one. My strategy is I'm going to bet the Raptors to win the series only after they win a second game. Okay. And the reason I say that is I think game two is going to be a little bit of a toss up. If you want to get involved in that game, I'll probably, you know, if let's say, let's say the Sixers do their job, win by 10. Game two probably opens six, maybe gets bet to six and a half. At that point, you're probably catching a little bit of value on the Raptors at six and a plus six and a half. Will they ultimately win? It's going to be close. Uh, but if they do win, you know, you obviously you, you wish you had bet the series price, but it you know it is what it is at that point. I still think that the until the Raptors get to two wins, this is still Philly series to lose. Uh, once the Raptors do get to two wins, and you put the onus on Philly and Doc Rivers to figure out how to get a win in Game Six in Toronto and or a win in game seven which has been sort of the bugaboo for doc rivers's entire career um then that's you know that those those uh, game six and seven to me are advantage raptors yeah definitely a hard team to trust i love the sixers and how they built this team lately but it's just such a hard team to trust um but i can rock with them in game one on the series line i think it's going to be a tight series i got i got the sixers four to two that's probably gonna be one of my bets on the show that i'll give out is okay Sixers four to two in the series. Okay. All right. Um, but speaking of another series, Drew, this is my edge of the day because you know me. I'm a Bulls fan. 82 games this year. I'd say I've watched about 72 to 74 of them. I've watched almost every single game of the Bulls. They are going to get swept by the Bucks. It is season over. All good things come to an end, and this season has been tremendous being a Bulls fan. I've been so excited this is how they built the team, the offseason trades, the free agent signings, of course, DeMar DeRozan being an MVP candidate, the king of the fourth. But realistically, let's be honest, the Bucs have won 14 of the last 15 meetings against the Bulls. They beat them all four times this year. They beat them by single digits twice, by double digits 20 or more twice. Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday average a combined 65 points, 25 rebounds, and 18 assists this season against the Bulls. There's no way they're going to be able to defend those three, plus all the role players and one of the best benches in the NBA. And then when you consider the most important factor, Lonzo Ball's injury, this has been detrimental. The Bulls were fifth in offensive net rating and 18th in defensive net rating with Lonzo Ball this season. Without him, they've gone to 20th offensively and 26th defensively. Okay, that's a huge drop off, one of the worst in the NBA. And you're talking about a Bucks team 
That is 12 and one in the first round over the last three years. Give me the Bucks for the sweep, plus 270. I'm sorry, Bulls Nation. And if you're scared to play the plus 270 price or get a sweep, you can also play the series spread on the Bucks at minus two and a half for them to win four to one. Um, and that is around minus 170. So it's juiced. But in my opinion, both are winners. Yeah, I can't can't argue with you. Um, the April 5th matchup between the Bucks and the Bulls was pretty uh, instructive. Uh, Bucks closed six point favorites on the road and they utterly waxed them. Yeah. Uh, and you can't even, if you're a Bulls fan making excuses, you can't even say we didn't have Alex Caruso, we didn't have Patrick. No, you you were at full strength. It did not matter. Um, and so I think realistically, uh, if the if if you're betting Bucks to sweep, uh, then you are basically parlaying that they money lines game three, game four, which yeah. at plus two seventy is pretty sweet if they're six point favorites. Yeah. No. I mean, I love it. I, th- I think it's like I said, it's it was a no brainer to me and. I'm I'm a very realistic person when it comes to all my favorite teams. Like we talked about the Pirates today. I fade the Pirates pitchers. I look for angles to make money off all my favorite teams. Uh, and I don't have to support them. I can support them by watching them, but I don't have to support them by, you know, being that fan that loses money on them. So we are taking the Bucks to sweep. Get your value on the Sixers minus four now because that's definitely going to be moving up. And uh, Drew, any lasting thoughts? No, this is going to be fun. Definitely check us out when we do our full breakdown of the NBA playoffs tomorrow. It's going to be a great show. Yeah, 12 p.m. Eastern. Watch us live or the audio with the Round Ball Stew crew. That is all for us today. We appreciate you guys watching. Thanks for everyone checking out NBC Sports YouTube channel. And also, thanks for listening live to us as well. Again, don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you guys are listening. Good luck with your plays and check us out on Twitter. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.